Darren, you know, you've not all always been on uh, on board with Missouri Tiger. So mm-hmm. so after that play, Eli Drinkwich has something to say with you. I want you to hear this message. I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> let's see let me find a way uh i'll say it back to him and i'll say a, a positive thing back to him in, in that same uh, uh verbiage or nomenclature uh let's see what is what would it be great great in this one is the force how's that is that is that was that a good yoda <laughs> i think the response to the guy he said that to was It's time for the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. The Mark. I almost said the Mark, man. I'm going to go to the Walmart. Uh, I like indefinite articles, okay? (laughs) Can we just start over? Absolutely. Hey everybody, it's Ben and Darren coming at you straight off the couch for another episode <laughs> of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, joining us. Uh, we are loving this college football season, mm-hmm. the unpredictability, the craziness of it, the excitement of it, and we are excited to talk for another week about what happened this past week and anticipate what's coming this week. Yes, yes, yes. So let's get into our headlines. We start off in Georgia, where hmm. stellar, incredible tight end Brock Bowers is going to be sidelined for four to six weeks, a high ankle sprain injury mm-hmm. uh, that he's going to require surgery. It's called tightrope surgery, uh, but that's going to sideline him for the next four to six weeks. We've talked about him, that he is on the level of being considered in the Heisman discussion and Darren, yeah. I actually heard someone on another podcast today say it was ridiculous to even propose that that he be in that discussion, which I think it's ridiculous to say I that agree. Uh, with what he's doing and his contributions to his team that he would not be in that discussion. But nevertheless, this injury will knock him out of that um, out, out of the list of Heisman candidates. What's this going to do to Georgia? Is it going to impair them? Is are we going to see them stumble during these next four to six weeks, or do you think they're going to be okay? Uh, you know, you can't say that you're going to replace a, a Brock Bowers because that's just not an accurate statement. However, when you recruit at the level that they recruit, when you have the level of players that they have, you have other people that can step up in other areas. Like maybe a running back step up, steps up his game a little bit. The wide receivers have been nowhere near the level they were last year. Maybe those guys start to step up a little bit more. And then you have you have some guys there at tight end that, I mean, would be absolute starters and, and high-level players on any other team uh, you know, other than, than Georgia. So I think there will be an obvious uh, – you know, they even talked about it on the game after he was hurt and, and saying, you know, hope nothing happens. But it, it is a little scary because even Mike Bobo has said, as crazy as this sounds – the way you do this offense is you plan everything around Brock Bowers and then spread out. So that's obviously going to be a change. But when you've got that level of athletes, you have much a 
a much larger margin of error. I, I think they can they can have some slumps and have some downtimes, even though it is getting a little bit of a, a thicker part of the schedule now as we're you know past the halfway point, moving toward the home stretch. I, I would be surprised, even though he is a Heisman level player, that this is something that two, three games from now, we're looking at a loss from Georgia and you point at it and you say, wow, this is this is a direct result of Brock Bowers. Now, could there be other things creep in that make a loss happen? I think we're more open to that this year than we've ever been in the past with Georgia, but it's going to be a significant loss. But when you're at the level Georgia is, is at, you have a large enough margin of error to be able to figure it out. Uh, as you progress through the remainder of the season, I, I, I think. How about you? It's going to be wait and see. There's yeah. a philosophy, of course, next man up. And that's why you mm -hmm. have uh, rosters that are two, three, three men deep at each position. Mm -hmm. uh, because you know that unpredictable things are going to happen, injuries mm -hmm. or what have you. And so the next man has to step up in that situation. Brock yeah. Bowers, you're not going to be able to completely fill his shoes during this time. I think Georgia's going to be okay. I think they're mm -hmm. going to to head into the SEC championship game, and hopefully he'll be available when that rolls yeah. around. Which, you know, the awesome thing about that is, even though he will be coming off surgery, from a playing legs perspective, he'll be a little bit fresh. And, you know, the people, this tightrope surgery that I guess, what, five years ago we'd never even heard of, and now it seems like it's every every three weeks on the professional and the college level, somebody's having tightrope tight rope surgery. The people recover pretty quickly from that. So that could be an incredible thing for them. Can you imagine him having fresh legs? I know it's post-op, but still, from a playing perspective, him having fresh legs coming into the SEC championship and then the playoff, that could be a little bit of a scary thing if you're having the game plan <laughs> against them if they make it to that level and, and things work out that way. That that could be a little bit of a scary proposition for an opposing coach. True, true. Let's look at this week's AP Top 25, where we have, I believe, eight SEC teams. Remember, we are continuing to count Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC discussion. Mm -hmm. We've already claimed them. Uh, our, right. com our commissioner was at the Red River rivalry. I didn't see mm -hmm. anybody from the Big 12 there. So That's right. <laughs> for us, they're already a part of the, uh, of the SEC. Uh, coming in at number one is Georgia. Oklahoma ranked sixth. Now, wow. I think we're looking at a potential playoff team here in OU when you look at their schedule. Mm -hmm. And I've heard mm -hmm. people say, what's OU going to do when they come in the SEC? I think they're very prepared to come into the SEC. Yeah, I think they're answering that question for sure. Kudos, big kudos to Brent Venables. Absolutely. Uh, at eight is Texas. At 11, Alabama. 13, Ole Miss. 17, Tennessee. 19, LSU. 20 Missouri. That's the latest AP top 25. A lot of representation there from the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, some people that, I mean, you gotta, you gotta note Missouri at number 20. I mean, I know we're going to talk, we're going to talk about Missouri more than just in this moment. So I won't wait to say too much, but man, you gotta love it for Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, how many, it seems like at the end of every single season, there's conversation about disappointment and him being on the hot seat and people think it was a bad hire and all this kind of, and now here we are, who knows what the rest of the season is going to look like. Cause it's definitely been a topsy turvy season, but here we are, he's got them at number 20 and playing some incredible football. So it, it, you gotta love it for, for drink as, as the kiddos call him. So <laughs> Even though 
We are in the middle of the college football season. College basketball is starting back up. And this week, SEC Media Days for college basketball. There's no time to catch your breath. It just goes one into the other. I, 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 that was a moment of praise as a Vanderbilt football fan. Thank you, Lord, for basketball. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been more excited about SEC Media Days for basketball. <laughs> but it's uh, it's well, the 18th and 19th, correct? Is that is that what you said? This is your week, my friend. This That's is your right. Week. <laughs> I'm very excited. I may DVR it like I do the football media days this year. <laughs> well, let's move into our week seven takeaways where we look at the past weekend of games and we give our top three takeaways. Darren, what's yours? I'm, I'm going to start in Lexington uh, with that Kentucky-Missouri game. And I'm going to use a phrase that, that Kentucky fans aren't going to like. And it was a Kentucky radio person that that gave the phrase. Because I know there are a lot of people sitting in Lexington still, uh, even you know a couple of days or a few days removed, going, what in the world happened? And Matt Jones, who, if you're a Kentucky fan, you know who Matt Jones is. Even if you're, there's a Netflix documentary called Wrestlers right now that he actually is a part of as well. So even if you, if you're familiar with that, you know Matt Jones's name. But anyway, as a Kentucky radio personality, he used the phrase. He described what was wrong with this team uh, at the with Missouri week and and what happened during that game as unjustified arrogance. And his point was. This team overly inflated, b- believe their own press clipping, clippings and overinflated their own place within the conference and the, the team they were. And, and I think if you go back and look at the game, that really can. You can watch the timeline and see what happened. They came into that game, put 14 points up, and then the, the overly aggressive uh, trash talk began almost immediately players being having told to take step back from Missouri players, not just once, but two and three times, like uh, back to back to back after plays. And and when that, that unjustified arrogance really started to kind of creep up and show itself, that's when discipline just fell apart. You end up with, uh, uh, you know, unnecessary roughness penalties. They, They ended up having 14 penalties, uh, and, and many of them were procedural or unnecessary roughness, you know, things like that, personal fouls. And, and then the next thing you know, there's there's a moment where the tide turns and, and nobody can figure out what in the world happened, including the, the, the coaching staff. And so I, I, I think that's a, a it's a harsh it's a harsh term, but I think it's an accurate term. Uh, very well uh, coined by Matt Jones. And I think if you go back and watch that game, even if you just watch the highlights, you can watch that happen. They hit that second score, began to believe they were exactly who everybody had been telling them they were, and it fell apart. And Missouri Missouri just put their head down and kept going, kept working, and you see the end result. I hate it for Kentucky. I hate it for Mark Stoops. I'm confident he can get things back on track, but I think they played the exact game that they mentally set themselves up for in the second, third, and fourth quarter, and it was an ugly end result. What's your second takeaway, or first takeaway? I'm going to stay in Lexington, 
And I'm going to focus on the team on the other sideline, and that is the Missouri Tigers. Down 14 to 0, lifeless, nothing. I mean, it's looking at that point. Missouri's going to have their second conference loss in a row. Mm -hmm. And then Eli Drinkwitz <laughs> well gets done. with his coaches, and they decide to pull out all the stops. A fake punt that results in a 39-yard touchdown pass on 4th mm -hmm. and 10. Luke Bauer, the punter, throws it about his 49. Really, you could also argue maybe the 50. Mm -hmm. Midfield throws it to Marquise Johnson, who runs it in. And I think that turns the tide for the rest of the game. And Absolutely. it was an incredible call, a gutsy call. Yep. Uh, the punter, uh, Bauer, afterwards said there was no plan B, either – Either this was going to work or I was going to get hit. And so <laughs> I love the mentality. We're burning the ships. We are yep, burning right. the ships. We are all in on this play. We've got to get something going. Yep. And I love that. And Darren, you know, you've not all always been on uh, on board with Missouri Tigers. So mm -hmm. so after that play, Eli Drinkwich has something to say with you. I want you to hear this message. I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> Let's see. Let me find a way. Uh, I'll say it back to him, and I'll say a, a positive thing back to him in, in that same uh, uh, verbiage or nomenclature. Uh, let's see. What is what would it be? Great, great. In this one is the force. How's that? Is that is that was that a good Yoda? <laughs> I think the response of the guy he said that to was. Here, here, I'll give you. I, we've been doing impersonations. Here's my best Yoda. Are you ready? Great, the force is. How's that? Was that was that okay? Was that decent or no? Is that <laughs> there are things in my life I hope never to see again, and that that's that's up there now. Can't blame her brother for trying, right? I mean, <laughs> how about props to that punter throwing I, a dime? Though? I see something like that, and now I know why the Empire tried to exterminate the Jedi. <laughs> We got to get rid of those guys. That's what they're. <laughs> yeah, it's such a, it was a great play. It's, you know, oh, as yeah. a, it's a play that you hope your team makes when things aren't going well. And so many coaches are are, are reluctant to pull the trigger on a, on a play like that. I just, yep. I love the call. So man, how about I, your. That, that punter, man, you talking about putting it on a dime, man. I, I, I'm convinced you could have him throw that pass. 50 times and he might hit that spot five because I, I mean it could not have been thrown it was perfect it, I mean it, it was like he was a well-trained quarterback and somebody walked out and said all right I need you to throw a back shoulder but just out of reach of the defender I need you to throw it back shoulder oh, okay sure got it and I mean he it was it was perfection he could not have thrown it any better I think I read somewhere that he played baseball in high school so oh uh, really I think he channeled that, uh, those techniques, and 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 it paid off for Missouri. So he how was about hitting your, the cutoff man. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, about, how about your second your second takeaway, Darren? All right. Since I'm hitting on things that aren't necessarily positive, I'll go ahead and continue that trend for my second one. I I, I want to talk to Vanderbilt fans for for just a moment. I understand. Oh, well, that, that doesn't include me. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I thought I was getting a break, man. <laughs> You're going to agree with everything I say. I promise. <laughs> if I understand that when you play Georgia, there is a reasonable expectation that as Vanderbilt fans, we're open to talking about because we we're realistic about where we are as a program that you're not sitting around talking about, well, if we do X, Y, and Z, we could pull off the upset because it, number one, it would take all 26 letters of the alphabet, not just X, Y, and Z for those things to happen for, for Vanderbilt to pull off an upset against Georgia, but nobody has that expectation. That's not even a conversation. So to have a point in which, you are could possibly be within a score is very exciting. Uh, and and I, I was I couldn't believe what was happening a, a, as I was watching it. There were some things that went well. The defense played well. The offense did some things that you haven't seen them do all season. And it was against Georgia. So there's something to be said for that. However, the amount of time that the announcers spent talking about every opportunity they had, that it was the first time Vanderbilt had scored a touchdown against Georgia in five years, really honestly started to annoy me as a Vanderbilt fan just a little bit. And then to get on social media and see other Vanderbilt fans celebrating it, like it was a victory because we scored a touchdown. I, I just want to ask all Vanderbilt fans, expect more of the program than that. <laughs> Let's not celebrate a touchdown like a victory. Are you excited that they played well, played better than you expected against Georgia? Yes. Hopefully it's something that they can build on. But expect more than hey, we scored. You know, that's something that's an expectation when my the 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 one season that my son played junior pro football, that was our expectation. Hey, we scored, everybody's excited. Not the team you're pulling for in the SEC. Let's not do that. Let's be excited that we played well and expect to score. I, I don't think that's asking too much. All right, I feel better. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me the time. <laughs> I think you handled that. You processed your thoughts in a very healthy way. There's a little bit of therapy on the exactly. on the on the show today. Exactly. And I stayed calm the whole time. I was proud of that. <laughs> What's your second takeaway? My second takeaway is the Tennessee defense. The Vols mm. defense showed up big time against AM, holding Max Johnson. He he was 16 for 34, 223 yards, no touchdowns two interceptions. They held A&M to 54 total yards rushing. They wow. came to play. They showed up big time, and it was a good mm -hmm. thing. I believe this is, if it's not the only time, it's one of the few times that since Josh Heupel has been at Tennessee that they have won while scoring less than 30 points. It's the only time as a head coach, period, yes. not just at Tennessee. Okay. It, yeah, it's the only time. So they and if they didn't come up to play, I mean, the offensive numbers for Tennessee are not that great. Joe Milton, 11 for 22 for 100 yards, one mm. touchdown, one interception. Not great numbers. Uh, Jalen Wright had a good game running, 19 carries, 136 yards. So they they did well on the ground. But I was most impressed. And, and you think offense when you think of a Josh Heupel team. Mm -hmm. But the defense, the game they played was outstanding. And that's that's my second takeaway. The Vols defense, absolutely stellar play. 
uh, this past Saturday. Agree completely. That's a great take. How about your third? Well, I'm going to stay in. Uh, I'm going to stay in Knoxville, and I'm going to go the opposite. Or actually, I'm going to look at the. I'm going to look at the whole picture, not just the defense. I I, I got to be honest with with Tennessee fans on two levels. I, I unfortunately, I think one of the realities of this weekend is you have to finally start to accept the fact that Joe Milton is not the answer. Uh, when you are in a Josh Heupel offense, one touchdown, one interception, barely 100 yards in passing, situational awareness is, is regressing. Uh, his, his demeanor in the pocket is regressing. Joe Milton is not the answer. Uh, even if he stays on as the starter for the remainder of the season, he is not the answer. That being said, the positive that you can see in that is I firmly believe – this is hard to say, okay? I firmly believe that Josh Heupel is the answer in Tennessee because I can I think you can see in his two and a half years at Tennessee that no matter the circumstance, he has hired the right people, put them in the right places, and can form a game plan – that works even when things aren't going your way. I think there was an expectation that Joe Milton would look easily 10 times better than he does right now. But knowing that's the case, knowing that that, that they feel like they can still put him in a place to be successful, capitalize on the running game, just like you were talking about, not have to use Nico in his freshman year, keep him as that red shirt and, and get a good three years out of him after he's, held the clipboard for a year. I think that's ultimately the goal. The fact that they can put plans in place, do the things that they're doing, and put the people around Joe Milton that they are and still be where they are, I think if I'm a Tennessee fan, tells me everything I need to know about Josh Heupel. Uh, he, what he did at US, UCF is not a fluke. What he's doing at Tennessee is showing that he is not only there for a reason, but he is growing as a coach they better be very, very thankful that even though it was not popular, it was the decision that made. I think he is the long-term answer at Tennessee and will be shocked if it doesn't turn out that way. Absolutely agree with that, Darren. And I just want to point out, you've come such a long way, baby. <laughs> uh, I know you had to start with the negative. Joe Milton is not the quarterback for you. But you then moved into this very positive affirmation of Josh Heupel, his hiring, his coaching, his staff. And yeah. I just want to say for everybody that's listening and watching, I'm so proud of you, Darren. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, it was a big step. I feel better even doing that. I, I just feel better. <laughs> Healing is a beautiful thing. It really is. It really is. What's your third takeaway? <laughs> South Carolina. I wasn't sure where to put South Carolina this year, but I wasn't expecting them to be two and four. Yeah. Especially after a loss to Florida in a game that they should have for all intents and purposes won. Mm -hmm. not only giving up a four fourth down uh, fourth and 10 conversion uh, to Florida that eventually was part of that game winning drive. Florida scored a touchdown with less than a minute to go in the game. But they made Graham Mertz look like a Heisman Trophy contender. 
three, four, 423 yards, three oh. touchdowns, no interceptions. This is Graham Mertz. This yep. we're not talking Jaden Daniels here. We're not talking Michael Penix here. We're mm -hmm. not talking about any of the guys that are are being discussed in 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 terms of Heisman hopefuls. Uh, they gave up 166 yards receiving to Ricky Pearsall. Ten mm -hmm. catches, one touchdown. I, I'm concerned about them on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, Xavier Leggett, 110 yards receiving no touchdowns uh they they did good on the ground mario anderson had 98 yards rushing spencer rattler 313 yards passing four touchdowns mm -hmm. one interception when your quarterback is throwing for that kind of yardage and four touchdowns you expect a victory absolutely of course they they lost a fumble and there's one interception that rattler threw but i'm concerned with where South Carolina is in their progression mm -hmm. right now. And I think you've got some more to say about this in terms of the coaching. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into that in that territory, but I think there should be a lot of concern in Columbia over the state of the football program and, and where things are headed. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talked about it during the off season, you know, leading up to, to the, 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 that first week, but all the concern with South Carolina, even though we didn't know exactly what to do with them, all the concern was offensive. You know, the change to down Loggins, what's that going to look like? You know, Spencer Radler, yes, we had a couple of good games at the end, but last season was not good. And, and I mean, they'd be 0-6 if it weren't for Spencer, Spencer Radler in, in that Gamecock offense. So that's that's incredible that, that not only are they where they are, which I don't think anybody saw coming, but the fact that the defense, or rather the offense, is not the issue, and the defense is defense is 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 pretty incredible. It's it's amazing that that's the route that their season is taking. And if anybody knows what a big issue a poorly playing defense is, this mm -hmm. year it's an LSU fan. I completely understand. <laughs> I can spot that a mile away. I saw that coming around the corner. I knew. <laughs> Well, we've got a lot more to talk about, but let's pause for this week in sports history. October 18th. 1924, Harold Red Grange takes the opening kickoff of the Michigan-Illinois football game and returns it 95 yards for his first touchdown of the day. Michigan Athletic Director and former coach Fielding Ghost assured the press before the game that his team could handle Grange, stating Mr. Grange will be carefully watched every time he takes the ball. However, the day did not go as Ghost had promised. In addition to the kickoff return of the first play of the game, Grange had touchdown runs at 67, 56, and 45 yards, all within the first 12 minutes of the game. Exhausted, he then sat out until the third quarter, during which he scored a 12-yard run. Grange followed his five touchdowns with a 23-yard touchdown pass. Illinois beat the Wolverines 39-14. This game was immediately dubbed the finest collegiate football game of all. Oh, thank you.
Let's take a look at our current sports pick'em standings from this past week. Darren, you have you have the standings available? There they are. Let's see here. Is that yep? Same person in first place. Zach, <laughs> Zach climbed the mountain and he is hanging out. Um, and then there is a tie for second with myself and Paul. Once again, talking about climbing the mountain. Paul climbed the mountain to jump in those in that top four, and he is not relinquishing. He is hanging on. And then there you are, sir, two points out of a tie for second place, but still there in what would technically be the top three. So there's our top three. There's still room, still time for people to to jump in, especially now that we're doing ten games every week, and maybe and and make that climb into to to disrupt that a little bit. But here we are. As of right now, this is our top, technically our top three. A very important public service announcement. When you sign up to pick teams, <laughs> games every week, remember to do so. I got two text messages Saturday, one from you, Darren, and one from Zach saying, you haven't made your picks yet. And I thought, oh my goodness, here I am on the show every week. Hey, y'all join in, make your picks. And then I don't even make my picks. It's like, woo. So for all of you out there, would you please, the more reminders I get, the better, you know, send me a message, leave us a comment, say, Ben, make your picks, make your picks. We put out a prediction uh, video, which is basically this segment of the show, but we do it separately every single week on YouTube. If if you're watching this as part of the, either part of the um, episode or as the separate predictions video, please just hit, I'm trying to get, there we go. Please hit down there in the bottom, get on the comments, tell Ben to make his picks because that comment will be a reminder. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Well, let's uh, let's get into our. Oh, looky there! Oh, How about oh, that? Oh, wait, wait, Darren, you need to bring that back up there. That was a little quick on the on the trigger there. What's happening? Uh, it keeps jumping around. <laughs> my goodness gracious! What's mm -mm -mm. must be that new math? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> well, see, Darren, if you score more points than the other team, you win. <laughs> See, that's that new math. I'm a Vanderbilt <laughs> fan. Don't get it. <laughs> I better stop saying stuff like that. We're going to get called up to call a game on Saturday. I mean, that's that's right up there with the brilliant announcing. You know, man, if he didn't make that tackle, he would have scored a touchdown. <laughs> did you just put us in the 230 CBS spot? Is that what you did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on taking first place in our pick record here, here on the show. You are now one game in first. I, I'd, I'd like to just, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here and to contribute to this team in any way that I can. Uh, it's a team effort, and so nobody gets here alone, and, and, right. and so I want to acknowledge that. A little insulting that you didn't thank the Academy, but whatever. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Please. All right, we've got some picks to make this week. We're going to make them on the show, and I'm going to try to remember to actually make them <laughs> online as well before Saturday. The Mississippi State Bulldogs are traveling up to Fayetteville to face the Arkansas Razorbacks, who are favored but are also struggling and putting mm -hmm. Sam Pittman's job in, in jeopardy. Yeah. This you yeah. can honest, I think he's on the hot seat, mm -hmm. even though they gave Alabama a battle, gave them yeah. all they they could give them this past week. Uh, does Arkansas turn it around in this game, Darren? 
I tell you, the one thing I think we learned last week in that Alabama game is, is you can say a lot of things about Sam Pittman, but the one thing that still rings very much true is that he is a player's coach and he keeps the locker room. These guys aren't bailing. Uh, they are still giving everything they have, even when everybody's talking about the fact that you, you're you just not going to win this game. You can't do nothing about you, this game. Your team stinks. We, we want your coach going. Even with all of that conversation going on, these guys came out. Even though it was a slow start, they still did not give up. When they had the opportunity, they took advantage of it. I think there are some things uh, schematically and player performance-wise that can be improved that I feel like I feel like they will have the opportunity to, opportunity to do and will do uh, in this week of practice. And I, I'm just – I hate it for Mississippi State. But defensively and offensively, number one, we don't know uh, uh, where, where the QB is uh, as far as is he going to be back. And I'm just going to I'm going to have to go with Arkansas. I'm just not I'm not willing to be confident in anything Mississippi State is doing. So in Arkansas with Arkansas favored, I think this is an Arkansas win. I'm going to join you in picking the Razorbacks. I think Sam Pittman. Uh, is a player's coach, as you mentioned. And I think despite the disappointing season, his players are going to go down fighting. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any semblance no. of quit in them on this past Saturday. And I don't think we're going to see it this week either. I think, uh, I think Arkansas pulls out a very much needed victory at home. That takes us to the sixth rank Oklahoma Sooners wow. against UCF. Mm -hmm. And the fictional national championship team of what year was that? <laughs> Is that 2010, 2011, somewhere in the neighborhood? We didn't win it, but we're going to put it on our stadium. <laughs> but we've got a banner. <laughs> if you say it enough, people will begin exactly. to believe that it's true. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if we have any UCF fans listening. We just lost them if we do. <laughs> so. <laughs> they're sitting right now in their living room with their national championship t-shirt on man. <laughs> I think this is going to be a big Oklahoma win. They, everything's clicking for the Sooners right now. I don't see this being much of a game. I, I agree completely. I, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Oklahoma to flex a little bit and show exactly the kind of power that they, they possess both offensively and defensively. And, and they'll take advantage of the opportunity. I, I think this could be a, a really, really long night for, for the UCF Golden Knights. The 17th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers are heading to Tuscaloosa to take on the 11th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide, both teams coming off of big victories last Saturday. This is going to be a marquee matchup on Saturday. I think it's a 2.30 start, um, middle of the afternoon, Great game. Mm -hmm. Who you got, Darren? You know, I, I think really, honestly, these are pretty, two pretty evenly matched teams. And, and I think when you – I think the simplest route sometimes is just to go with the home team. Because uh, I, I feel like no matter what the spread is, and even though Alabama is favored – this is pretty close to a pick'em game, and I honestly think if it was in Knoxville, I'd probably go with Tennessee, but it's not, so I'm going to go with Alabama. I think Alabama, because they have that home field advantage in a very tight game, will pull this game out. Who you think is going to? Who who's going to pull this one out? As far as your your concern, 
I'm going to go with the Tennessee Volunteers on this game. I think they go nice. into Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, and they go back to Knoxville with another victory. Wow. Boy, you're talking about – I will not have to convince any Tennessee fans that Josh Heupel is the guy <laughs> if he beats Alabama back-to-back years. <laughs> South Carolina at a disappointing mm-hmm. two and four is traveling to Missouri to face the Missouri Tigers, who are very much alive. They're already bowl eligible, and they are looking to somehow maybe pose a threat to Georgia in the East. What do you think, uh, South Carolina, Missouri? Who you got here? Well, let me say this first: when it comes to posing a threat to Georgia in the East. Uh, might want to pump the brakes on that a little bit, Missouri fan. Who knows what the season holds? But that being said, I think Missouri is the choice here. I, I think it's at home. Uh, it, they are they are on a roll uh, outside of that first quarter of the Kentucky game. They have really shown some improvement on both sides of the ball. They've got the weapons uh, both on the ground and in the air, um, you know, I, this South Carolina defense, I, I I am concerned for their well-being with Luther Burden. I mean, I know he had he had a little bit of an injury, but he ended up coming back in the game. This he, this could be a night that gets him in the Heisman conference <laughs> before the night's over with against the South Carolina defense. I think this is unfortunately for South Carolina. I think this could has this has the potential to be a convincing Missouri win. Either way, it's a win. But I think it very possibly could be a convincing Missouri Missouri win. How about I you? Like this, I like this Missouri team. Uh, I like Brady Cook, the job he's doing at quarterback. I think he may mm-hmm. be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. Absolutely. So I'm going to go with uh, go with the Tigers on this. The eighth ranked Texas Longhorns, coming off of a bye week, are traveling a, just a hop, skip, and a jump from Austin down to Houston to face the University of Houston Cougars off of a of a victory this past week. Nevertheless, Darren, I don't see this as being a close game. I think Texas wins and they win big. I, I agree completely. I just don't. Obviously, Texas has, has got, had some issues that have been exposed a little bit, but I don't think it's anything that Houston can take advantage of. I think this is a Texas win. I agree completely. The 13th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels are traveling to Auburn, Alabama to face the Auburn Tigers, a team that is in somewhat of a flux in Hugh Freeze's first year trying to find their identity. They, they're they doing decent on defense. Offense is a disaster. Darren, when you look at this game, who, who do you have prevailing? You think Auburn can pull out a victory? Uh I do. <laughs> How's that for a little bit of a surprise? <laughs> you were probably expecting me to say no, but I I, I do. I, I am concerned that the, I, I think I've used the exact phrase, they don't have a quarterback that can throw a forward pass. So that does concern me. However, this far in, I am convinced that Hugh Freeze can start to figure some things out and, and this Ole Miss defense, yes, it was against LSU their last time that they gave up a ton of yardage, but they have shown that that weakness, that they can give up a ton of yardage. And Auburn's defense, even though I know this might not be saying much, is its strength. 
Um, I, it being in Auburn, you know, you've got an Ole Miss coach or a former Ole Miss coach that's used that now at Auburn and a current Ole Miss coach that most people think wanted to end up at Auburn. So it's kind of a weird dynamic there. There's so many weird things going on. I think this will mean a lot to Hugh Freeze probably step up, maybe even take back over the offense, even though somebody else has, you know, been calling the plays or whatever. He might even do that this week. I don't know why. I just have a gut. I'm going Auburn in this one. I think they're going to pull off the upset. How about you? Auburn has a few opportunities left to salvage their season. A win against Ole Miss would be one. They have the Iron Bowl coming up. I think Hugh Freeze is going to use that uh, in a pregame speech to build up. It's going to be very emotional. At the end of the day, though, I think Ole Miss just has too much for them. I'm going to go with Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels, and I'm going to let Lane Kiffin know that you picked against them. <laughs> well, I'll just call myself a big game, and he'll take a swing at me and miss. <laughs> oh, that was not nice, was it? <laughs> now, now, so I can let so I can let Coach Kiffin know I'm going to need somebody to give me his cell number because I don't have any way to contact him. <laughs> So just leave that in the comments. Where's my there? You just leave that in the comments. And I've never noticed if he's watched the show, but I kind of doubt it. Who knows? He might comment. You don't know. The 19th ranked LSU Fighting Tigers are hosting Army. That game is actually in Baton Rouge. Uh, Saturday night game. I mentioned uh, in our preview episode at the beginning of this season that this could be a trap game for LSU, uh, but I didn't anticipate them losing to Ole Miss. So maybe that woke them up and the defense is improving and will come to play. Uh, I expect LSU to emerge from this game uh, with a victory to make it another great Saturday night in Louisiana. Yeah, I can, I completely agree. It's going to be a, a successful Louisiana Saturday night. I, I don't see any way anything other than that happens for this one. It's going to be going to be a fun night in Baton Rouge. So remember to join in on our our, our CBS Sports Pick'em bracket, the Brew and Shavers Pick'em. Look for that under CBS Sports College Football Pick'em. Our password is Pick'em one two three four exclamation. We'd love to have you be a part of it this week. And that takes us, Darren, to Four Down Territory. You're in Four Down Territory. All right, well, let's get right to it. The sure thing pick for this week, Darren, you're feeling pretty good. You've been very benevolent, especially to Tennessee fans on this episode. <laughs> what is your sure thing pick for this coming weekend? Well, I think I am going to go with Texas. I, Like I said, even though Texas might have some things that, that can be exploited, it's not going to be exploited by Houston. So I think Texas is the sure thing for this week. How about you? I'm going to go with the folks, the boys from Norman, Oklahoma. I think OU goes to UCF and comes out with a big, big win as they continue to steamroll through their final season of the Big 12, even though we're already claiming them in the SEC. That's right. Te technicalities aside, uh, uh, yeah, Sooners market guaranteed. 
Yeah, they are. Oklahoma and Texas both are steamrolling the entire Big 12 on the way out. But anyway, that's, that's a different conversation. <laughs> How about your upset pick of the week? Like I said, I got to go with Auburn. I can't call it anything but a gut. Might be wrong, but I think they find a way to pull this off. What you, who's going to be your upset pick, Ben? I'm going with the Tennessee Volunteers led by one of your favorite coaches, Josh Heupel. That's right. It wasn't that long ago that another team with the burnt orange color came into Tuscaloosa and emerged with a victory. Has a precedent been set? I think there just might have been one set. I think Tennessee emerges with a victory. Oranges and teas might be the Alabama kryptonite. Who knew? I mean. (laughs) (laughs) And we move on to our brown bag pick of the week. Mm. Darren, who is yours? You know, he's been fun to talk about at times and you got to love his passion and you got to love his, 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 the emotion that he comes at the game with, but sometimes that emotion can lead you down a wrong path. And I think that's exactly what happened to, to Shane Beamer uh, this weekend when he was asked about some things that happened that led to the collapse that, that you talked about. Um, he, he laid it at the player's feet quite a bit even going as far as to say there were times when we had the perfect coverage or the perfect stunt or the right, I think his words were the right, the right stunt or the right coverage called and a player stopped and we don't know why. And a player just didn't do it was another phrase he used. And and I understand sometimes coaches use things like that to kind of call a player out, maybe motivate them a little bit. I don't have an issue with that. What I do have an issue with is if you're going to do that the right way, at least to me, you follow that up with, and that starts with coaching. You don't leave it laying at a kid at the kid's feet. That starts with coaching, and we're going to get that worked out this week. And he didn't do that. He he said the coaches called everything right. The players just didn't do it. And as much as I like him and he's, he's fun to, to follow and see the things he does, didn't care for that one at all. I, I just I don't think as a coach, even if you're on the hot seat, I just don't think you can do that to, to your players. That's a brown bag moment to me. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's well said, Darren. Um, of course, we, we've talked before that we we think very highly of Shane Beamer and absolutely those press conferences. You're the heat of the moment. There's st- still a lot of a raw emotion, and you're being forced to answer a bunch of questions when mm-hmm. you probably would rather not, especially after a, a, a devastating loss. Uh, my brown bag is also South Carolina, but I'm thinking more on the defensive side of the ball. But you got me thinking, Darren, that you know one hallmark of great coaches is when a team loses publicly, they take all the blame. Absolutely. And when their team wins, they give their players publicly all the praise for winning that game. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it was just a bad moment for coach Beamer, a tough loss. They, a game that they should have won dropped into two and four, but, um, but I think you make some, some great points there. And, and hopefully South Carolina can get things worked out and get, get things turned around. It's going to be an uphill climb to get bowl eligible because they've dug themselves into a bit of a hole, but definitely, but yeah, I think, uh, I think you, uh, you make some excellent, excellent points. So let's talk about our post-game quote of the week. Is this going to be from Shane Beamer or Josh Heupel, or do you have a surprise for us? <laughs> We will not play a brown bag moment as a post-game quote of the week. (laughs) 
And we do try to spread it out and, and use different coaches, but we are trying to stick within the SEC. So there are only so many moments. Uh, so we do have a, a repeat candidate uh, candidate this week, uh, but uh, we, we're going with our, our man, it's short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> but we're going with our buddy, Coach Eli Drinkwitz. Had a little exchange of words before the half. What's going on there? Nothing. Thanks, go. Intense SEC atmosphere. Just another day in the life of an SEC coach. <laughs> These are just heated moments. <laughs> we just, understand. It just means more. <laughs> <laughs> That's well said. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode. We hope you have as much fun as we have. Remember, you can watch us on YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify or, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. It would really mean a lot to us if you would subscribe. If you would like, if you would comment, yes. if you would interact with us, that helps us a great, great deal. Because we know there, you you have almost unlimited choices as, as far as sports podcasts. So it means a lot that you choose to listen to this one. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you next week. New episodes drop every Tuesday, 6 in the morning. Don't worry. You don't have to get up that early. Listen whenever <laughs> it's convenient for you. But until then, y'all take care. Have a great week. Thank you for making the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is so important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or a text to our text line 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. See you next week.